Yeah, we're live. Oh, but you're not going to say anything? Nope. Uh-huh. So we're really going to show the people now how we react. Yep. But I'm sure anybody that knows us that's going to be listening to this is probably laughing right off the bat because they know that this is exactly how we get along. My wife's being mean to me. Because <laughs> you're irritating me. I haven't been around her all day. I've been downstairs, leaving her alone, letting her watch her stupid shows. And as soon as I come upstairs, like she don't want me upstairs or something, so my feelings are hurt. You come upstairs on your timeline whenever you want to do something, and it doesn't matter what anything else, what else is there, what anybody's doing, it has to be dropped to do what you want to do. And then I throw a rubber band at you and you get mad because it almost hit you in your face. So let's go back to the whole <laughs> There's no going back. No, to this whole timeline thing, okay? Okay. What have you been doing? Relaxing. But what were you doing you though? Mean like this evening or like earlier today? You this, my whole day. This evening. Oh, I was watching my shows. You're watching your show. Yes. Now, I've learned to really not disrupt you when your shows are on. Okay. 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 Because why? Because I like to watch them. Because you get mad, right? You say I get mad, but okay. Okay, you get irritable. When you come and bother me, I get irritable. Or if anyone talks. Because I can't hear the freaking TV. <laughs> so I thought I'm doing the right thing by leaving you alone and staying downstairs. But you should have said, hey, hon, how about, how about we jump on to the podcast at like 930? I said then I would have been prepared two and a half hours ago. Not oh, Troy comes upstairs and now all of a sudden because he wants to jump, then I gotta jump and do it. I came up here early. My things not even over with yet that I, I was listening I, to. That's what, okay, that's what I thought was going. I thought you were gonna finish watching your Teddy Riley babyface spinoff. Spinoff battle. Battle, whatever the hell they're doing. And I knew it wasn't over yet. And next thing I know, here you come. Name a babyface song. Well, I know a lot of them, but I don't know the names of them. <laughs> Swear to God. Name a Teddy Riley song. Um, Kissing Game. Wait, Teddy Riley song that he sang? Or no, that he produced. Kissing Game. Good job. Would you can't name a Babyface song? I... Like, I know, like, if you played a Babyface song, I bet you I could sing along with it, but I don't remember the names of the songs. Okay. For you old heads out there, it was a great battle. There was really no losers. Do I prefer one or the other? I I do, but what I will say kind of makes people mad. I have a what's called a trained ear for music, and where they're they do have similar styles. I think that uh, Teddy Riley can branch off to more different things. Uh, New Jack Swing, and they had over 500,000 viewers. And I mean, people from Tyrese, Ray J, Taraji, um, Busta Rhymes, 2 Chainz, Snoop Dogg, Gabrielle Union. I mean, that's just to name a few. I mean, be less, be less celebrities like Lizzo, who don't got no business listening to that music. 
why wouldn't she have any business listening to that music? Uh, you know, I don't like when she like she was doing stuff like because they were having technical difficulties through Instagram. And then she was on Babyface and talking about how she, how he killed the whole thing and how he murdered Teddy Riley, but then jumped on Teddy Riley's and was like, oh, you know, you're killing it and so on and so forth. Like she, she jumping back and forth, straddling the line. Like she. Does that really bother you? Um, when people know what they're talking about, yeah. Do you people see what I deal with? Oh, now wait a minute. No, no, no. We're not comparing anything. No, what? You can't just. You're com- you can't throw shots at me and I say something yes. about talking about okay compare oh my god see this is where like my my friend crystal tells me that i'm gonna give myself a heart attack because i get so mad but i i have really bad road rage right that's exactly where i'm going I'm the first person to say this right i have the worst road rage i hate stupid drivers so she <laughs> says jenny you need to let it go like you're gonna give yourself a heart attack over somebody driving too slow you know like you don't like it, whatever it's just stupid my husband is going to give himself a heart attack over somebody's comment online. Who gives a shit? Gives a shit about the way people drive. <laughs> I do when they're in my way. Okay, then I give a shit about <laughs> uneducated people who's in the industry. And maybe don't she's know. educated. I don't. I, I'm not a Lizzo fan, but maybe she's educated. <laughs> I don't know. And she's just trying to get people like you all riled up because. Well, she did a good. job. Uh, even Ty, well, even Tyrese had me riled up at one point. You know, oh, I like Tyrese. That, that's my dude. You know, but he even at one point, I was like, he didn't have the same opinion as you. That's uh, what it comes down to. Nah. <laughs> what do you mean, nah? I think Ludacris said the best. People like Teddy Riley and Babyface need to be protected by all means necessary because they are what's right about music and stuff like that. So, anyways. We're still in the house. We're still in the house. What, uh, I think five weeks? Well, today, today it's officially a month today that I had to shut down the shop. I had to shut down the shop. My friends had to shut down the shops. Yeah, we had to, as one month ago today at 5 p.m., we had to shut down shops. And going forward, we have more than a month left in the state of Wisconsin, as of right now, anyways, before we're allowed to open up the doors. Now, whether that's going to change to be sooner date or a farther away, like, I don't know. Has this been the longest you haven't, like, physically worked? Like, yeah, I know you had your route for years and people don't and people will consider that work, which is it's a lot of work, you yeah. know, if you've never yeah. done it. So is this as long as you've gone without working? Yes. <laughs> yep, it is. How do you feel about that? Um, on one aspect, like on one hand, um, see, I'm different than a lot of people, but on one hand, it feels good. Mm-hmm. And on the other hand, it's really hard. So I think it's really hard about, it's really hard from the financial aspect. Well, yeah, that's one thing. I mean, like the financial aspect is the, is the hardest thing. I mm-hmm. mean, obviously if somebody is sitting in the house, they don't have to worry about anything financially, then then you have a whole different set of problems. But I also look at it, the fact that like, I really love what I do mm-hmm. and I really miss my clients and the relationships that I have with them. Um, I mean, thank goodness I have a lot of them like that today have stayed in contact with me um, and just checking in and saying hi and whatever. So, and I get to see what they're doing on social media, but yeah, this is, this is, this is crazy. I think people are getting overly anxious now and, I see people on social media hanging out at playgrounds, playing on playgrounds. 
Um, people are hanging out at each other's houses. Yeah, bam, they're having barbecues and stuff like. Yeah, people are gonna just kind of start doing their own thing, no matter what the so, government you know, tells us to do, unless the numbers get shit getting really bad again. And you know, I agree with Michael Rappaport. If you don't want to listen, like we pretty much stay within our family, mm-hmm. the people in this household. Yes. Um. And I, I well, was... I think that's I think that's also two for two reasons. Number one, we have you who's high risk because of your, your severe asthma. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we have Kayla, our daughter, who just came home. She came back last week because of the pandemic. Who's high risk because she's 35 weeks pregnant. So I think like that deters me from going and doing a lot of a well, lot of things. Well, still like. I know my brothers are healthy as a horse and stuff like that, but which doesn't matter. Yeah, I wouldn't risk it's it, you know. Yeah. Um, and my parents, because they're old, you know, of older age, um, they're kind of high risk. But yeah, you know, like I said, I agree with Michael Rappaport. If you don't want to listen and you want to think everything is fine, then you sign a waiver saying you cannot be treated because you are not listening. Well, I think the thing, though, is, is that I think everybody was was freaking out so much when the numbers were climbing, Mm -hmm. like everything was climbing, 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 climbing. And now that the we're we haven't started to go down, we're at a plateau. plateau. So we still have all these people that are passing over, like are dying and getting sick on a on a daily basis. But people don't like people are taking it seriously because it's not growing like it was. But we still have always like nothing's going away. So that's the scary part. And I think people are just getting sick of it. But so, yeah, it's scary to think of what's going to what what will be coming next. So I don't know. We shall see. Or the people that are out protesting, um, like, I think we all get it. Like, we all want to get back to normal. Like, we want to go shopping and we want to go out to eat at the restaurants and we want to go hang out at the bars or whatever. Like, I want to go. I want to go to a fucking movie theater. Um. But um, I don't know. I think it's just going to make things worse if people aren't listening to what they need to be doing. And I I get it. Okay, so I don't want to say I get it. People are social creatures. Yeah. So they, I, I understand that you want to see people, but you know, there's a way to do it, you know. That's why everyone has technology these days, and they want to use it at their own expense. But now that we kind of have to use it, they don't want to use it, you know. Or our neighborhood, okay? Let's take our neighborhood. Mm-hmm. Let's say we want to talk to neighbor across the street. Mm-hmm. We can stand on our side of the street, and we can talk just fine. People in our not exercising the whole social distancing thing. That's how I feel. Okay. You know, um, I know there's people like, no, I know who, like my younger brother, he's a germaphobe, number one, and he's just standoffish. So this is perfect for him. You know, you don't want to be around people. He's around his girlfriend and his kids. And that's it. And he likes to stay in the house all the time. Yep. I don't know. I I mean, that's what I was getting at. I mean, we have to do what we have to do to make this get better. I mean, I think that the scare, like the scaredness of it is, is kind of fading away. But the numbers Shit, of people getting sick are not fading away. The scaredness is not fading away with me. That's, uh, I, I, I don't know. I take it very seriously. Anyways, 
What's today's topic? Our story of dealing with drugs and alcohol. I'm sitting here waiting to give my husband a hard time, you guys, because what he can't multitask very well. So, like, if you could tell he just kind of was quiet or not paying attention because he was messaging something on his phone or doing something on his phone. So I was going to sit here and wait to see how long it would take She's you. always trying to out somebody. I am not. But you can't you can't sit, sit me on a podcast and expect me to talk by myself. So hang when on. I'm supposed to be talking to you. So, but what happens when, so she went to get us tea, okay? So what happens when you went to go get well, tea? Well, you are better at this. Me, like, I've, I did my very first live broadcast just a couple, just on Valentine's Day this year. <laughs> And I was talking to myself. That's that shit's weird. You are all about being live and talking to yourself and to whoever out the, the the delay in the comments and whatever. I'm not I'm not like you. You know, we still have maybe we'll release an unreleased one that we have that we did in the car on the way to racing that one time. <laughs> oh, I don't even know that. Oh. So so what Troy's talking about is we tried to start our introduction like podcast on the way to we were going out of town like to racing or chicago or something and so he was like screw it i'm just gonna start playing it i said yep go ahead level you know whatever and it was a really good one but it was really crazy but i didn't know that you had it saved it's on your phone gotcha <laughs> well, i have it saved then didn't even know but anyways um yeah so Last week was kind of, so I mean, like we did like a bunch of introductions that kind of led into each other. We did um, a huge one on, a huge episode on one of our stories of infidelity. Mm -hmm. Last week, I kind of felt like was, last week was a follow-up to the infidelity one, but I felt like it was kind of like, we talked here and there about, like it was very just unorganized and it kind of drove me crazy. So the one thing that you will find out about our podcast is we could do it where it's very structured where we have tons of tons of notes and stuff like that but i and this is just me personally you know you may feel different you know the spot spontaneity is that the word spot <laughs> it's spontaneous like being spontaneous you want to be let, let's let's stick with spontaneous <laughs> Um, I'm probably good. We're smart. <laughs> um, See, this is why you need a little bit of notes. No, I've, I've never been good with notes. Okay. Like, I can have stuff up here. Like, if we want to talk about things, there's things I know I want to talk about, you know. Um, well, all I was saying is, like, yes, this podcast is about our experiences and, like, helping other people with what we've been through and, like, what, 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 like, just what we've been through but I think also is you know to talk about like to talk about the ins and outs of infidelity it also helps to have some sort of like there's more knowledge out there than just what our story is True. so to help people and to have like to have that in our corner too is what I was kind of saying so next week we will have more structure oh you're gonna do some research you will what? Why do I have to be the researcher? Because I can just bounce off you. I, I'm I'm that good. I can just. <laughs> no, I'm gonna make you do some research, little shit. I do enough research. I have today. to do all this work. 
I'm supposed to be doing all the work for everything. You just get to just be like the bouncer guy. <laughs> I'm not talking about the fact that you get to sit on and do work with people all day and I don't have to, even though I still do work. But today I, I worked. You can look at me like that all you want. <laughs> Maybe I should start, because you know, I have the option to record, like video recording. I thought too. about one of these days we're going to have to do like a Facebook Live or like a YouTube or something so people can see us. Well, YouTube is usually we record it then put it on YouTube, but we can record this as live. we're speaking live. It has a. I got it. I got it. I got it. So. I got it. So. I'll, uh, I don't know. Where do you want to start? Well, I think um, just a little, just a little bit about so to know more about us is Troy. You have never, ever in your life smoked a cigarette. Nope. Smoked marijuana. Nope. Or had any edibles. Nope. You've never tried any kind of drugs. Nope. Other than what the doctor has given you, you don't even like doing that. You know firsthand about that. <laughs> And to the fact that, like, you have to have surgery now because you don't want to take your medicine okay. for years. Um, have you never had alcohol? Nope. So I completely married I came, a dry I, man. I came close one time when we went to. To a steakhouse. Yeah. And they, yeah, they tried to serve me an alcohol beverage when I was pregnant. Yeah, that, but that doesn't, I'm not, that doesn't count anyway. Um, whereas myself is. I'm now kind of a social drinker, but I used to be an alcoholic. I went through my days of I was a I was a huge alcoholic. I have had a couple different times where I've had bouts of drugs, and when you met me, I was also a smoker, mm -hmm. um, cigarette smoker. I've never gotten like into marijuana or edibles or anything like that. But um, so I think we wanted to kind of switch this around. Um, we kind of went in and you told like we told the story about you being the bad guy. So maybe now it's my turn to be the bad guy. <laughs> But I don't think it's anything about being a bad guy. No, it's not. Um, but, you know, me being the person that's doing doing the doing. And I tell people, you know, because the cool, you know, the cool slogan that people use is straight edge, you know. And what is it? Straight edge. I've like never heard this in my life. No, is that a wrestling term? It's, it's, so it's, it's, it's popular in the wrestling world, but it's more of like a, I've heard it first through like grunge rock and stuff so like what, that. So you're straight edge. I'm, yeah, I'm straight edge because oh. stuff I don't do, you know. Yeah. I mean, to the, I don't even drink a lot of dark pop. No. <laughs> yeah, you get on me because I, I, yeah, okay. So I'm addicted to Coca-Cola, not Coke, but Coca-Cola. I'm glad you finally admit it. I've been admitting it. I should be their freaking their number one sponsor. Oh. As much Coke as I drink. Um. And anyone got to hook up with a Coca-Cola, have them hit up Jenny Dean. But you get on me about that. And I sit here and I say, you know, there's way worse things that I could be doing. Like, you're not going to fucking get on me about drinking Coke. True. So, um, yeah. So I guess I just go into, I mean, when we met, um, so what I was 18, I never was a big drinker at that. Like not even at the top. I remember in high school, I drank once in high school and I hated it. And I never, like, I never did it again. Now, I was having kids in high school, so that might have been the other dude. I don't know. And their father was a big drinker and whatever. When did you start smoking? Um, I tried cigarettes for the first time in middle school. What? Yep. In middle school. 
I had friends that were smoking cigarettes and I thought it was cool. Cause you know, like smoking isn't like, right. Like I was, I was thinking about this a couple weeks ago. Not very many people smoke cigarettes anymore. No. Like it is not a thing. Like even to compare to 10, 15 years ago, um, smoking cigarettes is really, I mean, I know, I know a handful of people, but that's it. Like, it's not like it used to be. Um, but back when we were younger, cigarettes were a part of everything. I mean, we could we could smoke in the malls and the restaurants and i mean it just was it wasn't that long ago that we could still smoke inside of a bar i think we were still smoking in bars when i moved back here in 04. i think so too yeah so um yeah so i first i first smoked cigarettes middle school um i remember i remember trying to inhale for the first time and i thought i was gonna die and I had nothing to drink. I thought I was going to die. What was the cigarette? Um, I don't know. A marble, a camel, <laughs> maybe a Newport. I don't, I, I, I don't, I didn't like any of the menthol. So I never got into the menthol thing, but, um, but yeah, other than that, I don't know. I remember, I remember growing up and telling my dad that I would, I never, like, I was never interested in drugs and I didn't have any desire to ever try drugs, alcohol, whatever. Um, so yeah, I think I started drinking a little more around the time, like when I, when I met you where and, like, and you could barely hold your liquor. Yeah, it was. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't, I'm trying to remember like before that. I think I no, I started drinking a little bit before you. I was dating before I moved down here the first I was dating Corey. Okay. And so I was I started drinking a little bit like with him and his sisters and stuff. So yeah, I was before you. But um, you know, being with you for the most part, like it's easy to not drink. Like I don't want to sit and I never was like a, a home drinker. If I was gonna drink, I was out being social. So mm -hmm. me drinking at home just was not a normal thing. Um, if I was drinking, I was out at the bar or the restaurant or whatever, hanging out with people. Um, so it's made it very easy for me to, to not be an alcoholic now because I don't sit home. I definitely don't want to sit home and drink by myself. Um, but let alone not have a husband to drink with makes it a whole different story. Now, don't get me wrong. There are times, and I say this to people all the time. They're like, how can you have a sober, a sober, like, how can you not drink? Or how can your husband not drink? Um, there's advantages of this. Like I always have a sober driver. Um, no matter where you're at. No matter where, yeah. We save a shit ton of money. Not only the fact, like, I look back at the kind of money that I was spending when it was just me and drinking, but being in a relationship with two people drinking, it's freaking expensive. It's crazy expensive. So, um, um, and I'm trying to think. We're, okay, so I've done that. Um, so let's, so I grew up in a house where my mom smoked cigarettes. Mm -hmm. Um, they were social drinkers. So I remember, so let's say five years old. I remember, God, my parents going to kill me. <laughs> cigarettes in the house, drinking in the house. I mean, there's a picture of the big bong that they had. Um, but I mean, cigarettes back in the house at that point was nobody like the, any house you went into back in when we were kids in the 70s, 80s, 90s. There was ashtrays of cigarette butts in the room, like everywhere. Right. That was not even a big thing. So they were they they would throw these parties, you know, and 
I remember as a young kid waking up and just seeing people passed out all over the place. Like, mm-hmm. and now I didn't know why they were passed out. I didn't know that the drink they were drinking mm-hmm. caused them to pass out. I knew they were drinking something throughout the night. And probably that they fell asleep and partied. Right. Yeah. Um, I, I never had that in my household growing up. I'm talking like dozens of people, like under tables. It, almost like a frat house sometimes. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, as I got older, um, still never intrigued me. I had an uncle who I was very, very close to. His drink was a uh, wild Irish rose. Um, so growing up around an uncle who drank and a mother who smoked, you know, what are the odds of me being a drinker and a smoker, you know, because it was an everyday thing in the house, you know. But for some reason, it never intrigued me, you know, um, as I got into high school. Um, and I would have people, you know, hey, you want to hit a cigarette or you want to hit this weed or whatever. I would just, no, it didn't intrigue me, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, as my wife would say, I had other vices, which were women, I guess. <laughs> um, which could be about as deadly, you know. Um but uh, I even had friends kind of turn me away, like as like didn't want to hang out with me because I didn't drink. And it wasn't because I stuck my nose up at people, because as anyone knows, I would be at clubs hanging out and stuff like that. And people were drinking and smoking around me and it didn't bother me. But I just had some friends who who thought I guess wasn't cool enough, you know, because I didn't do it. I think that that's happened more so now in the past, like, five years than it did back in those days. What were you talking about? No, like, when I was in high school, like, okay. I had people who I was super close with and because they drank beers and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. I didn't. I remember, like, football team, you know, half the high school football team smoked weed, you know. I don't think it's the fact, back in high school, I don't think it's the fact that, like, they thought that, like, you weren't, you were too cool or you weren't cool enough for them. I think it's just that people migrate to to other people that are doing the same things. Yeah, but it ruined friendships, though. Oh, yeah, for it, sure. Um, people grow up and go in different ways. And it, and it, and it kind of hurt my feelings at one point because one dude I was super duper close with and he just one day just stopped hanging out, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and I remember one day I swung by his house, like I always did, and he was hanging out with a bunch of dudes in his garage drinking a beer and kind of didn't have no time for me. So after that, I kind of got, you know, I got the clue, you know, and in high school, you know, I dated a couple of girls who smoked or drank. Um, but yeah, it just never intrigued me. Um, well, so when we met, I was a smoker. Mm-hmm. Um, I was a pack a day smoker. Mm-hmm. So people say, even people now are like, you, you did what? Yep. Pack a day smoker. Um, I drank socially. Um, and when we met, that was, that was the extent of what I had ever done. Mm-hmm. Well, I had tried marijuana a couple of times, but I've never been one. Like I, I, t- I've told you, I told you a couple of weeks ago, I do on one hand, I do wish that like, I liked it to a certain extent just because like I, I do, I've done a little bit of research on it and it's like the positives with like the medical aspect of it and just like calming me down. Um, but I would never want to be like a pothead. And I know you told me, well, if you were a pot smoker, we would never be married. Couldn't do it. But I was a cigarette smoker and you got married to me. 
so here's the difference though and you probably i don't know if you did this purposely or it was just something you did subconsciously you didn't like when we're in the car you didn't smoke a lot you didn't when we're together you did not smoke a lot in the car i think you're crazy no i promise you okay <laughs> um in the house Mm-mm. um but still, you can still like you can't get away from the smoke, the cigarette smell. You can't get away from like kissing a cigarette mouth or like it's gross. She didn't stick my tongue in your mouth after you smoked a cigarette. Yeah, you did. No, I didn't. Okay. Well. Hmm. <laughs> well. Hmm. <laughs> I got other. I got other. Yeah, I got other ideas. <laughs> anyway. Um, but you. So here comes our daughter walking out again. Even though I tell her, hey, we're doing a podcast. Get away from us. Anyways, okay, so moving forward, you and I broke up. Keep going. You and I broke up. And. It was a hard time for me. Okay. Ended up moving back up. This is the time where I ended up moving back up to the Twin Cities and um, had gotten back in, was started, was hanging around my ex um, and we were getting back together kind of for kind of a little bit. Um, but it was on the way back up to like when we in like literally in the middle of the move that he told me that he had started using drugs. He wouldn't, and I remember him telling me he wouldn't tell me that before um, coming down to how we moved because he knew that I would never have moved up there, with, moved back up there. Okay. So, like, he didn't want, he didn't, like, I never would have been with somebody that did drugs like that. So, um, I was so depressed between the fact of us breaking up, the fact of I wasn't talking to my family. I decided to like leave, you know, leave a, a good life down here, move back up to the Twin Cities at the time. Like things were just going crazy. And um, that particular person, what how it goes is that he used, he was a drug dealer and he had turned on his drugs. And so he was using, and um, I'm not talking marijuana drugs, I'm talking crack cocaine. And so, um, I don't know, again, I have no desire. Like I never had any desire to ever even want to try anything like this. But being, and this is just me asking questions. Uh-huh. You didn't want to do stuff like that, but you want to be with someone who did the stuff. No. And that's what I'm saying. Okay. Like he knew that's why he didn't tell me before I was going to move. Like he literally, we were on the road on highway on interstate 94 between Madison and Minneapolis. When I find out that he had started using, um, matter of fact, I had, I remember catching, um, my kids back, back in the day, catching my kid's father. I walked in on him and some family members using some hardcore drugs and I lost my shit. I was pregnant with Tony. Um, I just lost it. But yeah, I've been around drugs. I didn't, you know, like it was, it, I was around him, but not around him um, for so long. But anyway, so Corey had told me that he had, that he had started, that he had turned and started using. Um, and I was so mad 
and felt so taken advantage of because I'm just like, what the fuck? Like, you could have told me this. And he said, had I told you this, I know you wouldn't have moved back. And so I felt so stuck. So between that, between not talking to family, between, you know, a lot of stuff going on with friends, but there was so much going on um, that I just had to deal with it. And then um, so fast forward to probably, probably three to four weeks later. So it's probably about a month. Um, we were, we were just hanging out. He was doing drugs. We were drinking whatever. And for some reason, I don't, I literally don't even know when, like what it was, but I decided that I wanted to, that I wanted to try it. Um, and he kind of got excited. And I think, cause like, I think it was kind of like when you're doing drugs, like you'd rather do them with somebody than not with somebody, I guess. I don't know. Um, but I tried, I saw, I smoked crack and, um, I never got, like, they always say that you all, like, everybody always talks about this, this high that you first, like your first high that you get and how you can never get that and how that's what you're always chasing is that first high. Well, I never got like that high, but all of my sadness and all of my depression went away. And for the first time in like years I felt like there was happiness um especially with going through all of that crazy shit that I had just like more recently gone through and so that's what kept me onto it was the fact like it was it was more like an antidepressant than like an actual drug of getting high on um and so it's interesting because just last year I was talking to um like a therapist doctor or whatever and so we we're talking about like my brain um, and how at that time, so way back then, I had not yet been officially diagnosed with severe clinical depression. So I didn't know that I was like officially, like I was fighting depression or anxiety or anything like that. Um, I just knew that me taking those drugs, like it just made me, it made that sadness go away. Um, so he had so much of this drug that I just got to have, like, I just had to get drugs like crack cocaine for, for free for months. Um, and I lost a whole lot of weight. I wasn't even big at that point, but I had lost a lot of weight. I got down to the smallest I've ever been as an adult. Maybe I can find some pictures to show you guys. I think I have some somewhere. Maybe. Um, but I had gotten down to 118 pounds and, um, I felt like that made me felt so good. Like as a young female, that's one thing. And I know like I've talked to my daughter about stuff like this too. And one thing for her is like the thing that keeps you going on some of this is like your, your physical image. And it is like, you know what? I can diet, I can diet, I can diet, but goddamn, I lost 30 pounds in a matter of two weeks. And so between not, not feeling sad and depressed and losing weight, like I felt good and I had energy to go do this and do that and da 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 whatever. Um, but it definitely wears on you. So you weren't, you weren't there through all that. I was not. Um, but I had, um, I remember it was Thanksgiving. So I had been like an avid everyday, all day user for like four months. This went on for about four months. And, um, I can't even imagine the amount of money it would have been had I had to pay for all of this, like insane amounts of money. Um, but I had woke up 
uh, I had woke up one morning and I looked at my two kids and I was just crying. And I was just like, I can't do this anymore. I will not do this to, to my kids. And so that was the day that I decided that I was never going to do it again. And I came up there shortly after in January. So I decided, yep, that I was never going to do it again. And I remember you. So um, like a month and a half later coming up and you telling me that like I was still shaking in the middle of the night. Um, the withdrawals from that drug was horrendous. I can't remember how I found out. I, I just told, I told you. I can't remember. I can't remember if it was over the phone or in person. And I just remember you saying, I have to tell you something and you can please don't get mad at me. Don't hang up the phone. I was like, well, then it was over the phone. <laughs> OK, maybe it was over the phone. Yeah, it was. Okay. And I was like, like, what the hell could like this be where. Mm-hmm. Like, and at this point, I didn't I. I no idea what to think. That was the last thing I was thinking, you know. Because mm-hmm. I just uh, was not a drug user. Right. Mm-hmm. And uh, like I said, I didn't even like marijuana. Like, I've never even liked marijuana. I can't stand it. I just remember being very quiet and then asking you, you know, are you okay? Mm-hmm. And you said, you know, I, I have my days where things are very hard, you know. Um, but yes, when I came up there, um, I remember... We were, we were sleeping and I remember waking up and you were like, like shivering, shaking, but like, like your body wasn't cold. Mm-hmm. I'm always, I'm naturally warm, you know? Mm-hmm. So I was like, you know, um, yeah, the withdrawals from those drugs were horrendous and I had to do them all on my own. Cold turkey. Cold turkey. Um, Corey wouldn't was I was at a point where Corey and I were not even talking. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't have anybody else. I remember calling around um, because I couldn't do any kind of inpatient treatment because I had my kids mm-hmm. um, and I couldn't like I, I couldn't leave them at all or whatever. But I remember calling. I was so desperate and calling at that point. I even was calling like the AA groups to see like could you have anything for narcotics do you have like i know i'm not a drinker but i need help aa wouldn't take me wow. um they didn't at the time i don't because i don't know when na started i i would have assumed that na would have been around back then See, this is where i should do my research but um i know that there was no there was no na anything around like there no, nobody could give me anything like i couldn't like there was nothing i could do mm-hmm. um other than um, go to an inpatient tr- treatment facility, which I didn't even look more into because it was it just wasn't an option. Mm-hmm. And um, it's something that I had to talk about, like a lot in order to get through. I had to really open up to people and really say, like, um, I don't because that drug is evil. I mean, like a lot of drugs are evil. Mm-hmm. Um, and like I can't like we're going to go on with my story and like there's other drugs that I've done, but, um, that was evil. And so I can't, and like that, I will say like the withdrawals were, were horrible. Now, you know, you talk about like, um, I've never done hair or anything like that Mm -hmm. where you have like your body is like, like your body is so sick that you have to have it. That's not the type of withdrawal, but, um, 
you know, wanting it, I can honestly understand why people, they, you pretty much sell your soul Mm -hmm. because of, for the drugs. And I can see why, like, you know, we talk, we watch shows and we, we look at things like, you know, like back in the eighties where like the crack took over the eighties and stuff like that. And I can see why. Mm -hmm. Um, but anyway, so yeah, got off of those by myself. And I remember my dad's now while my dad has passed away, but they weren't, they weren't married yet. So my dad's girlfriend at the time, and you know like it would come up every so one every once in a while every so often and she i remember saying like why do you why do you keep bringing this up but i have to keep bringing it i had at that point back in my life i had to keep bringing it up because i had to keep reminding myself that i was doing good because mm-hmm. i had nobody to help tell me through that and i do remember once you told me mm-hmm. how open you were like about talking about it mm-hmm. and I'm not saying I'm not educated on it but like you educated me on some stuff like on a lot of different levels of this whole thing um <clears throat> and at first I had the same mind frame like why is she talking about this so much you mm-hmm. know I didn't want to ask you but I was thinking that and then it clicked one day you know she must want to talk about this because it's some kind of like maybe therapy for her um so I would just sit and listen, you know, mm-hmm. um, and it was hard for, I know it was hard for you, it was hard for me because I'm hundreds of miles away in Madison, you're in the Minneapolis area and, mm-hmm. you know, there's really nothing that can be done because um, there was difficulties on our end about me moving back, moving up there with you and stuff like that. But uh, did you, you know, so thinking about this, like, did you ever, before we go into the next phase, did you ever like want to walk away from you yeah or had you met let's say like had you met me at that point instead of like what i was trying to get back together would that have made something like you being sober would like did that ever what what, how did that come across you when you told me yeah um look at me in a different aspect not want to be together or anything most definitely not um i i i wanted to be with you i wanted to help you i didn't know how to um, I knew how to help you my way, mm-hmm. but you were I really young at the time too. Right, so I don't think I think my way would have probably pushed you further away. I think the other thing too is that, and as people, if people continue to listen to this, is that, and I don't know if it's it, this is the this is the, the relationship for me and you. You always forgive me, and I'm gonna start to cry. <laughs> no matter what the situation has been. Um, And this is where it gets really raw, but no matter what, you always forgive me and you always work through it with me. Even back all these years ago, when it was so simple for you just to walk away. And how many girls did you come across that were smoking crack? One, besides you. That's crazy. You know, it's not like, so, oh, I'm a pothead. That's well, not true. So there was, and it was so, the girl who I met that was doing heroin, there was really no attraction, but I felt so bad for her mm-hmm. because, so this is a different story. Her name, her name was Cassandra. Um, and I can't remember where the hell I met her at. Um, but like her boyfriend was pimping her out. Mm-hmm. Um, and then had her hooked on drugs. Yep. 
It happens a lot. Um, Still to this day. And then I remember running to running into her, him, and her brother at movie gallery that I was working at. But I had met her before that. So when she came in, she was like, oh, you're... Which, I was like, Troy. She's like, yeah. And she was in very bad shape. Mm-hmm. And for some reason, I remember her brother, like, they were looking... The, the boyfriend and her looking at that movie, he came up, he's like, you know my sister? I was like, kind of. He's like, I need your help. I was like, what do you mean? He's like, he pumps her out. She's hooked on heroin. Like, but... I guess anytime another guy would come around, he would just flee. Like, so because of him, I would just like pop over. He told me I pop over at the house. Mm-hmm. And I remember one time she was just completely strung out on the couch. Just like, and I like, I didn't know what to do. Like, and he's like, you got to help me like get her together. Like my parents were coming home, like parents were filthy rich. You know, um, I saw her years, years, years later. Um, she was working at the food court in the mall. She had cleaned herself up. She had ended up having a couple kids. And and the one thing she told me was like, thank you, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's a different story. I you from and I, this is, you know, from day one, I just felt some type of connection with you. That is it's very hard to explain, but people know what I'm talking about when they have that connection with someone else, you know. Mm-hmm. Um but had it been a, but had it been a pothead, you wouldn't you wouldn't be here. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I'm joking. So I, I've I've dated a pothead, and I was a sophomore in high school. She was a junior, and I I felt at the time that her marijuana meant more to her than I did. Mm-hmm. So like, imagine you know when you're in high school, you're supposed to be like high school sweetheart. She's supposed to want to hang out, and I saw her on Sundays. Because Mondays. Oh, so imagine being with somebody who is addicted to crack cocaine. If I was around, I would try to help you through it. No, no, I know, but I'm just saying. Um, yeah, it's just, it's just, it's just a different beast in its own. But, anyways, okay. So here, because we're off track, we're off track again. <laughs> um, so going forward, um, I. Even to this day, now, like, it took a long time, but even to this day, like, I have absolutely no desire in that drug. You know, like, there's a lot of people where, um, you know, they're recovering addicts of whatever drug, but you leave it in front of them, they're going to want it. Mm-hmm. I have absolutely no desire. I don't know why, because I can't say that about it, about anything else. Um, and we'll get into that. So, um going off of that alcohol took over and so you weren't this is where you and i didn't talk for close to five years but boy i heard some stories Whew. um but yeah alcohol took over and not i mean not all the time it, it, it like built i built up but i've I come i came to find out at that point that you know what like it was weird for me because growing up i never had any kind of addict, addictive personality mm-hmm. And then I start doing this particular drug, and then it kicks in an addiction I have an addictive, I'm, mm-hmm. I have an addictive personality. Um, even to this day, um, the doctor, like the doctors, I talk about it, you know, whatever. But um, so, you know, we used to get off. God, I'd get off work at noon because I'd start at 3 a.m. or whatever. Get off work at noon, and we'd go to the bar, and we would close the bar down. 
And the, the deepest, there was a couple deep times that I remember being at a bar once and my bar tab was $1,100 and I couldn't pay it. Like, where the hell am I going to pay all 1100 Like that was more than my fucking rent. Um, and that was, that was my own, like $1,100. I think I might've had dinner, but that's just liquor. And I wrote him a bad check. That was back in the days where you could write checks. You could write them away. And yep. So I wrote a check and no, this check isn't going to look hell No, it's not going to go through or whatever. Um, so then we stayed at a hotel close to the place where you, yeah, it was a restaurant. It was Chevy's or whatever. I don't know. You want to come after me now? I think I paid it eventually years and years later when I was fixing my credit or whatever, but yeah. Um, and then of course it wasn't just $1,100. I had all the bounce check fees and the collection <laughs> fees and all that shit. So, you know, that that was an expensive day, let me tell you. Um, but also um, starting to drink, uh, starting to drink like tequila and passing out on the bathroom floor and having to be having to be um, carried out and gotten home. So, um, yeah, I'm not I'm definitely um, not proud of some of some moments. And I still Tony and Kayla, they still they still have memories of a couple there a couple incidents. There wasn't a lot of them, but the ones that they remember, um, like they still can talk about to this day, which really bothers me. Um, and so I, I don't know, I just like I stopped working with with that group of people um, and things started to change a little bit. And. I ended up moving back here, whatever. So fast forward, I get, then it was just social drinking, you know, mm -hmm. um, even, you know, me and you would like, we'd go out and I'd drink and you wouldn't. Um, There's a couple of friends who allow her to get drunk around though. <laughs> you allow me. Funny. <laughs> um, the thing with you, with, well, the thing is, is that you've, we've gotten to this point where I really don't drink much. I think I might drink seriously once or twice a year now. Mm -hmm. It really doesn't happen. And now, even more so now, I've gotten to a point that when I do have some drinks, I'm I I have no desire to get drunk. Mm -hmm. Like there's like the desire to get drunk is completely gone. I don't want to spend the next day or the next five days feeling like shit. I don't want to waste my time. Like I just I can't stand it. So um and you've you've gotten used to me not drinking. And so when I do go to have a drink, I have to be given the dirty look and questioned and feeling this guilt trip of shit. Cause here's what happens. <clears throat> Baby, I'm gonna have two drinks. All right, cool. So I'm, I'm prepared for to have two drinks. I don't agree with the story. And then two turns to three, three turns to four, you know, yeah, when you're drinking, so, it does. And then all of a sudden it's, you know, but when's the last time I got drunk? Two, it doesn't matter if I have four drinks. Two summers ago. Yes. And you weren't there. So. I was there. Oh, well, you weren't there when we had girls night out and I was drunk. <laughs> you, you, I got drunk in Tennessee, too. Yeah, that actually wasn't. I, See? We all woke up. Yeah, that was two years ago. Well. So I did drink in two years yeah, ago. Yeah, and then the the picnic at the zoo. But anyways, that's four or five years But ago. you know what? I want to give you props for some, something that, you know, you're smoking. Okay. Cold turkey. Cold turkey, yeah. I remember you offering to stop and get me a pack of cigarettes, and I said no on the way home that night. I was drunk. <laughs> All right, so our, our close friend, Dan and Katie, they got married almost like a year after us. Yeah. And I remember we are at the bar. I ran out of cigarettes. 
Jenny running a cigarette, and there was a guy making a cigarette run, and he took so damn long. No, it was he was gonna go. There was he was gonna go up this road. This is on State Street to this little corner store that I knew was I I'm very picky. Like when I'm like with my cigarette, I was very picky. I knew that they weren't gonna have my cigarettes, so I told them, nope, don't even bother. I don't. They're not gonna have my cigarettes. And so um, I didn't have anything. And then I was so drunk and just wanted to get home that you were asked me, should I stop at the gas station for your cigarettes? And I said no. <laughs> and then I was sick as hell the next day because I had I was on a hangover uh-huh. and whatever. And so of course, like no, I can't. I couldn't even get out of bed. Slept all day. Yeah. So. Um, and I, at that point, I just said, screw it. The, 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 I'm not going to do it. The next day it rolled. So two days later, we're doing something, and she's completely grouchy. And she's already decided to stop smoking. And I was like, fuck this. If you're going to be like this, I'm going to buy you some cigarettes. Then. If you're going to be grouchy like this, you're like. Oh, you're, you're a great partner, <laughs> partner there. Support system. <laughs> Good God. But, but yeah, that was cool turkey. That wasn't so bad. That wasn't bad at all. And now, um, that's another one. I don't have any desire to smoke. None. I miss the time. I miss my smoke breaks. Like, cause I feel, I will say this. I feel like when I was a smoker, I was a much more laid back and happier person. And I don't know if it's just because like the nicotine, like kind of kept me grounded or if it was, I got to go out and have my smoke breaks or I don't know what it was, but I don't, I feel like I feel like I was much more of a better, more calm, happier person than I am today. But who knows? Anyway, so we'll fast forward a, uh, about a year from stopping smoking. Um, and I went in. I've always had issues with my back and my neck. Um, and something had ha- I can't remember what happened, but I had to go into the doctor. And the doctor prescribed me pain, pain meds. And we were going through mm-hmm. the affair time. <clears throat> and so I went home and I took my pain meds. And for the first time in about three to four months, I felt happy. Oh, there we go again. This this is the same, the exact same thing that happened when I when I tried crack cocaine is the exact same effect that I was getting from the pain meds. So again, it wasn't that I was getting this great high. That wasn't it at all. But I felt there was no sadness, there was no depression, there was nothing bad. I've just felt happy for the first time in months. And um, so as much as my physical body needed needed those drugs, my my brain, my mental state needed them just, just as much, if not worse. And so I remember going through... I don't know, that was back in the day where you could just go to the doctor and they would just say, oh, yeah, here, here's a refill. Or, you know, like it was never, um, there was never any problem of getting any kind of pain meds back in those days. I remember <clears throat> I had hurt my knee. Mm-hmm. I was in a knee brace. So around the time, you know, we were, uh, supposed to be, we were so that's when we were Christmas shopping. I was on crutches. Mm-hmm. And I remember I got, prescribe some pain pills mm-hmm. and I hate pain pills you know yep. so oh, we used to have we have we had pain pills sitting in the cabinet from you had a surgery um I had it when I tore my muscles from softball mm-hmm. like two years pre- like we just had them sitting in the cabinet nope. like no big deal so I just remember I was like okay 
my knee is hurting super bad. I think I had to go into work or something, you know, and they were gone. And I was like, I started like. You were going to take a pain med to go to work? I can't remember why I was going to, but I was going to, no, I was, maybe I came home for work or something. Okay. I can't remember why, but I just remember going to the cabinet and they were gone. And I was, then I started thinking, did I take too many of these damn things? Like, because at that point, I didn't know you were taking them like that. Okay. Um, so I was like, what the hell? Like, so I just kind of left alone after that. And then it just kept going. Yep. It kept going and it kept going. And it was a year of, you know, eventually the doctor started catching on. I wouldn't say like, I wasn't, I wasn't, you know, like they call it pill shopping. I, I would say I like, got to a certain point of where I was. Um, but then my doctor just prescribed them. And then, you know, then you get to the point where it's like, um, well, they're not working that well anymore. Oh, okay, well, well here, we'll just up your dose. So, uh, so I got to find how the doctors and the whole system would work with these meds. It's kind of like a game. Mm-hmm. And um, so no matter what dose they would give me, I would always do more. And so um, I got um, I got addicted to the pain to the pain meds, and you know I'd always say, oh, I'm not addicted, and I think you excused them because it was from a doctor. Mm-hmm. You know. Um, well, and then there was stuff like when you had was it your gallbladder or yeah, that surgery. So well, you had your gall. I remember you had your gallbladder removed. Mm-hmm. You were in recovery, and I remember the doctor coming to me and like, Mr. Dean, like. We have given her like a very high dosage of pain meds. I had five different doses of Dilaudid. And yeah. they're and, and they're like they're not working. Because mm-hmm. my body was so used to pain. And meds. they're like, do you know something that's going on? And I was like, no, like because like she, she was in pain. She got prescribed pills, so like mm-hmm. they knew about all of that. Yeah. But like when they told me how much like Dilaudid they had given you, and I remember one of my uncles talking about and I have a pretty big uncle, you know, Uncle mm-hmm. Charlie Boy. And he was like, that knocked him on his ass. And I was like, wait a minute, the lot and that's not that's not stuff that almost knocked my uncle out. You know, I was like, and you were in pain. Like you were mm-hmm. so that's when it started to like kinda not sink in, but kinda had the wheels turning that, you know, something might be wrong. I would go to the, I would say that I would, um, this is super embarrassing for me to say, but there were times where I would say, oh, I'm having a toothache, so I need to go to the dentist and tell the dentist I was having a toothache so I could get more pain meds. Um, Now I don't, I don't, like, I don't fake any of that kind of Mm -hmm. stuff or anything like that. But I mean, it was, like I said, it was like, it was 10 years of like plan i mean for the better part of 10 years i was being prescribed these pain these these meds you and the kids were watching like i would take some like i would i would nod out mm-hmm. um i crashed a vehicle mm-hmm. i remember driving one day and i'm not one that drinks and drives or like does anything like that or whatever um there's two different instances that one day i almost hit two women jogging and I thought my my life was over. Um, there was another time where um, I had dropped you. We were I dropped you off at work one day, and I was driving back, and somebody was accusing me, like somebody was yelling at me, like accusing me of driving all over the road. I didn't think I was all over the road, and um, 
they followed me. And so I pulled off on a side street. I was almost home, but I pulled off on a side street and the person followed me and I got out of the car to go confront him because I was like, fuck this. Cause he, he was on the phone with the cops mm-hmm. and, um, they told the, they told him to stop following me or whatever. So I got in the car and drove off and he didn't, he didn't come like nothing happened with it, but like, those were wake up calls. Um, so there were a couple wake up calls, but still again, like, I don't know, you know, you, then you, then you start to tell yourself that your body needs them when your brain really does. I don't, it just, it just sucks. But I was doubling up on my, on my medications from two different doctors. And so I got caught eventually. And not that I was doubling up completely, but I, what would happen is that I would have, you know, my one, one doctor was prescribing me, um, like I was on ridiculous amount of oxycodone during the day and morphine at night. Mm-hmm. And then another doctor was giving me tramadol, which at the time they, it was still on the verge of being a narcotic. Oh not narcotic. God, I remember the amount of tramadol you're ordering. Holy well, crap. So this was coming from a doctor though. And so uh-uh, not this stuff at the time I'm telling you. Oh, okay. So not that I was not that I was doubling up on everything, but I would run out of the oxycodone and morphine, like let's say a week early, like five, seven days early. So then I would get through those five to seven days with the tramadol. So um the pharmacist is is who caught on to it and and got a hold of the doctors. So um I got pulled off cold turkey. And that was, that was hell. I also think when you come off, so I've I've thought about this too. I think like when you're coming off drugs, unless you have said in your mind that you want to stop, your body doesn't follow suit. So like, I didn't want to stop taking the pills. I didn't want, like we were, like life sucked at this point. Like we had moved. Um, my family, we were, I had, was fighting with my family. Um, stuff happened like with our house and stuff like that because of the family, like life, life, I was not happy. Um, I was not happy with like job stuff or the fact that I had to drive in and out of Madison five times a day or, um, just like think like I just wasn't happy. And so I depended on those pills to try to get me through things. And, um, I just remember the one confrontation and you, and I'm so we were at a meeting. I'm not going to say we were at a meeting one time mm-hmm. and I knew you weren't in the right mind. And I was like, just stay in the car. Sleep it off. You're like, nope, mm-hmm. nope, I'm fine. And I remember during the meeting, you kept nodding off and I kept bumping you with my knee. And like, we had to tell people that, you know, because you had, you, I, we told me you worked so much that you were tired, you know, and which wasn't a lie. Yeah, but <laughs> but no, I know. And so after that, I was like, listen, like, we got to figure out something like mm-hmm. this, you know. Yep. So, but like I said, like, so our thing is, so me going through this whole story and this is taking like an hour, um, you know, you being on the sober end, not many couples are like this. I think you either have. You know, like, yes, there are people that go through this where you have, like, somebody who's an alcoholic or whatever, but to keep going through um, this kind of stuff, and I would, like, just tell everybody now, I am sober. Um, I did have a problem. I came to my husband last year Mm -hmm. that I had been having a problem again with pills, 
and um, I've gotten help and I work with my doctor still to this day. And I think it's going to be something um, my doctor thinks it's going to be something that I'm going to need to be um, be getting help with for the rest of my life. And I'm OK with that. And I want to say. How unbelievably proud I am of you. Um, and this is why I always tell people, you know, you have such a unique story, you know, um, from, you know, drugs and drinking when you're in minnesota you know um the pills here and you know you're like a superwoman um and and i tell people my wife is one of my heroes just for the fact that how you overcame stuff like that and and you know i'm very proud of you thank you i want you to know that and it's hard I will say still. So the thing is, and, tr- you know, you like you get nervous. So like you get nervous, um, like you had sur- emergency surgery on Christmas. Do I still want to take pain medication? Yes. But it doesn't make a difference if I take it now or not, because it's not going to do anything to me. So what she's talking about is there. I, I if I have the choice. So I. I wasn't, so when I had my appendix removed, Mm -hmm. there was really no choice of me taking pain meds. I had to take them. Mm -hmm. Um, I did not want to order them. I I was, I was going to deal with the pain. Um, Yeah, that didn't go very well. It didn't go well. (laughs) But what I'm saying is like, you know, I can sit here and I can talk about, like, I know what people are going through. Um, So like I can sit here and talk about, you could put, like, there could be. There could be crack cocaine put on the table and mm-hmm. I could care less about it. There could be heroin. I've never been interested, no matter how bad my addiction to opiates got, mm-hmm. never in my life have I become anywhere curious about any kind of heroin at all. Um, but I have my little niches of like, okay, yeah. But if I was able to have pills, like that's, that would be an issue for me. Now, the thing is, is that I'm on a medication where it doesn't matter because there it, it blocks it anyways. So it wouldn't matter if like it just wouldn't work. So and do I have like I don't have like the urge like that, but like the mental part is mm-hmm. still there. Like I'm still fighting that. And you know, my thing is, and she tells me all the time, baby, if if they give you pain pills, you're fine. I won't take them. You know, um, I just you know I don't want the urge. Mm-hmm. So like. I remember they were like, how, they gave me like six pain pills, I think. Mm-hmm. And goddamn, I was like, all right, I'll be good for six days. Then after this, you know, I, I'm not, I will not get a refill, you know, which I didn't, um, which I paid the price when I went to school. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but uh, yeah, you know, this, you know, stuff like this is. People can learn from this, you know, like, what's your advice for, what's your advice for someone that wants to do the stuff, you know, like, and, 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 and the, so the one thing my wife does is she doesn't BS because, you know, and maybe to her, and maybe I'm swinging out of line, there may be a silver lining, like, yes, there's all these bad things, but there could be something good. It's just like we talked about teen pregnancy one time, you know, 
people, and we all talked on that, but people want her, or I had her speak at the school, and they didn't want her, but they're expecting her to say all this bad stuff about teen pregnancy, where she said, okay, yeah, there are some, you know, yeah, there's bad things, mm-hmm. but on the flip side, there's a huge plus about this stuff, you know? From my story. Right. So right. is it the same way when it comes to the drugs? You know, like I've said, I live my life by everything happens for a reason. Mm -hmm. So there was a reason why I've gone through these addictions. There's a reason why, like I, it brought me to like, for what, I don't know what the reason is, but there's a reason for it. Would I ever want anybody to to, to start using drugs? Absolutely not. It's, it's, it's hell. So like you think about even, okay, so I live with pain every day of my life. Okay. So you can sit here and you can say, okay, so here's pills that will make your physical pain go away. Okay. So your life gets better in that aspect, but then your body gets to a point where you need these pills. Mm -hmm. So like, then you're like, I remember, I remember going and the doctor would refill my medication, but then it would be a day too early in the pharmacist's eyes. Pharmacist isn't a doctor. The pharmacist can't just give me medicine, but the pharmacist just wants to be like, whatever, or wants to like, feel like they like, like they have power. Yes, exactly. And me arguing at the fucking pharmacy because you're not giving me the medication that my doctor's telling me to give me, you know, like I, I have to wait till tomorrow, you know, whatever. So like, so like, okay, your body might be feeling a little bit better because of this medicine for, for that time being, but your whole life changes now. And on, so even though it got better on one aspect, it's getting worse on another aspect because your whole life is about chasing these fucking pills. Like, and I'm not saying chasing them like in an illegal way. I'm saying like, okay, so you're chasing because you have to go to the doctor to pick up your prescription. You have to go there, to, to, you have to go here, you go there. Oh, has it been four hours so I can take my next? Like your whole life is based around taking a fucking pill. So no, I would never want anybody to go through it. Cocaine, no, like, no. Um, There's nothing good that comes out of any of it. I mean, the only good that has come out of it that I can sit here and I can tell my story, which is it's it's embarrassing, you know. Um, I watch a lot of intervention stuff. I watch like the 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 ads, the ads of coming clean and staying clean are, are they're not good. Mm-hmm. Or even living, it's not good. Um, we've also dealt with addiction with two of our kids. Mm-hmm. Um, a third one has dabbled in a little bit of stuff. Um, I, don't, I don't think he wants to. Which is very difficult for you to talk to, even admit to. Um, I think it's easier for you to admit to the two older, about the two older ones, than it is for you to admit to, to, the, to, to the third one. But um, I would say it's been more difficult for me dealing with my kids being addicts mm-hmm. and getting through that. Um, but they should, they should see that and they will you know they should see that it's expensive number one mm-hmm. um but nothing good comes out of it no and they do i mean like they see that but then you have like i don't know i it just i think it also a lot of it depends upon who you decide to associate with mm-hmm. you know, like i said had i not gotten married to you would I continue to have been a heavy drinker? 
you know, like, like, you just don't know where you go with it. And I don't know, like, I don't understand. It's been, it's crazy for me to sit here and think like you as a sober person dealing with somebody who deals with addiction, like that's like that you have a story in, in, in your own. Um, you watched me go through, you didn't watch me go through the crack cocaine, but you watched me go through the opiates. Mm-hmm. And so you have a whole story that like you, that you really, that you don't tell. Um, I have, like, I live with a lot of guilt. Like there was time like, oh, I, I wouldn't have medicine. And so it was hard for me to even like, to, you like your body shuts down. Like you don't even have the energy to get out of bed. Mm-hmm. And so I would miss things with my kid. Like I'd miss, I missed a lot of things that I shouldn't have missed with our kids um, because I needed pills. And so I wish, God, I wish I could go back and change it. You know, um, I lost friendships. Not because my friends, not because I had friends that didn't want to be there. I lost friendships because I pulled myself away from people. I literally only associated with you and the kids and that was it. And, um, I, like I just, yeah, I just pulled myself away from family, family and friends. But you're doing great now. Oh yeah. Like as I said, as I can do. I've seen on the drinking aspect, you know, I've seen what it does. You know, my uncle Mike succumbed. They said it was natural causes, but, you know, um, I think it was drinking. I'm not a doctor. Um, but, you know, it was pretty much, you know, here one day, gone the next with him. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's probably one that that is probably one of the reasons why I don't drink. Um, I also remember. You know, back in high school, I remember I was in great shape then. I was track and field athlete, and I remember my coach Jody was like, "You're a skinny guy, number one." Because I was super skinny in school, you know, super duper skinny. I was I was shredded though. I I was I was ripped. She said, "You want to take care of these ripped abs?" I was like, "Yep." She's like, "Don't fall into no stupid shit. Don't be drinking. Don't do." And I was like, "Okay," Mm -hmm. you know. So. I can't say I will never, ever drink, you know, maybe once I get my house cleared, all these damn kids, I might cut loose. Um, you want me to take care of you as a drunk? <laughs> <laughs> I was just asking to have a glass of wine here and there. That's it. <laughs> maybe you'll have a glass you, of wine. I think I know, I know when there will be a time that you would drink nah. if you ever got to it. Mm-hmm. It would either be if you were to lose me or lose one of our kids. That might push you, especially like if you're losing me. I think that would push you to the edge. But I hope that you would just deal with pain and not not do that, because it takes people to a very dark place. But I don't know. Like I don't. I guess this is just a story that we wanted to tell. Like, we don't know. We don't have much advice. Like, we've been on here for an hour and what? 20 minutes. 20 minutes. 
Um, but it's a, it's a good story to tell. It's a good story yeah. to, and it, you know, it's a good, it's a good comeback story. You know, odds were against you at certain points, you know, and to go cold turkey and stuff like that, and and to admit that there was a problem, you know, and to get the help that you did. A lot of people don't do that. When usually there's an intervention where a person sat down, like you have to do this, and it came close to a couple times where I was going to do that actually. I was gonna say there there were many years that I I didn't I never I didn't admit to having a problem. But and I would get mad at the doctors. Mm-hmm. Like the doctors didn't give me what I need, you know. Um Yeah, I remember one argument with the doctor in particular. So Yeah. So yeah. I think the thing is like I like to put it out there because I would like I would love to help people that are that are in a position like this and are looking to get help. And, and that's looking, one of the reasons for hope. And that's one of the reasons why I wanted you to tell the story because if you guys need that help, I think Jenny's all open ears, you know, and she's a good sounding board. And if yeah, but I don't put up with excuses. I don't put up with the bullshit. She's pretty hard. <laughs> that is one thing. But you know, thank you for talking about this. Of course. You know, um, before we end this, we've been going through this book oh yeah the love dare oh yeah i posted it last week so what's gonna happen is at the end of every podcast we're gonna talk about you know was it, our, is it the deal or what's it called that it's a, cha- it's a the daily challenge dare. a daily dare so we're gonna talk so we've had daily dares okay we've what done two of them yeah we're behind we're, that's okay <laughs> So what was the first daily dare? And you don't have to read the whole passage. I'm not reading the whole passage, but this is okay. So, so I posted this on our Facebook page. This book I bought, um, what, 11 years ago when we were going through our problems with the affair. And because it says on, like, I've, I've, this is supposed to be a huge thing. And somebody said that the movie, and I forgot that there was a movie associated with it, but the movie's supposed to be amazing. So we're gonna have to check out the movie. I'm gonna make you watch that one. <laughs> but. It says that this love dare is a 40-day challenge for husband and wives to understand and practice unconditional love. So whether your marriage is hanging by a thread, which when I bought this book, our marriage was hanging by a thread, or healthy and strong, the love dare is a journey that you need to take. And so I got Troy to take this journey now. And so the first day was really good. But so the first dare, um, our first day was, so this is what it says, the first part of this dare is fairly simple. Although love is communicated in a number of ways, our words often reflect the condition of our heart. For the next day, resolve to demonstrate patience and say nothing negative to your spouse at all. If the temptation arises, choose not saying anything. It's And this is hard for us. Um, it's better to hold your tongue than to say something you'll regret. <laughs> Troy and I, I would say, this is for a whole other day though, we, we, I, we bicker a lot. I don't want to say like we have our we have our fights, which is different than our bickering. But I would say we bicker a lot about stupid, useless st- bullshit. I don't bicker. You are so frustrating to deal with sometimes. I just tell it like it is. No, you don't. No, you do not. Uh, my husband is a big baby. And so but the first day went very well. It's especially hard because, like, we're cooped up in the house. So, like, normally it would be better because, oh, you'd be at work and I'd be at work and this and that, whatever. But we're cooped up in the house. Um, We have our daughter back here who is 35 weeks pregnant. And, you know, like, it's just like there's, like, the odds are kind of against us right now. 
um, for keeping our patients. But so the first day went good. I, second day. You can't. Okay, by the time the second day, I think it was good. And then we had a conversation at midnight that we kind of got to an argument with. So I, I for so you some, think the second day went good too? I think the second day went good. So the second day, the dare was that you had to practice that patience still and say nothing negative, but then add in an act of kind, acts of kindness. Uh-huh. Which so, and this book is not like yes, it focuses on your marriage and some of that, but I I take it out that like this teaches you how to have good relationships with all people in your life. Mm-hmm. Like you could, you should always practice patience. Like I need to practice patience with our kids in particular, mm-hmm. you know. Um, so. The book is going okay for the dares are going okay. We need to focus a little more on the dares though, I think. Like tomorrow, I think we need to really focus on this. So next week, <laughs> next week we'll give you we'll, up, we'll give you we'll give you an update on some of the challenges. Hopefully we can get through all of them. Um we'll get through them. It might just take us a few months, more than 40 days, <laughs> maybe a year. I don't know. But uh, yeah, people, you know, hang in there. Um, oh, look at I just opened the book and it says identify every object of lust in your life and remove. I can't remove that. Lust. Lust. Oh, that means I gotta remove you. <laughs> I don't know. That's on. Um, that's like day twenty-four. I don't know. I, we're, I, I, it's, we're building up to something. I don't know. I don't know what I would have lust for. I love you. Well, it goes into more stuff. Single out every lie you've swallowed in pursuing forbidden pleasure and regret in it. Okay, yeah, there's like so much. So this book goes really deep into things. I'm super, I'm super excited about this. I know I need to learn how to love better and more unconditionally. So um, I'm, it's something for me that I'm really excited about, but maybe you not so much. So, yeah, people, hang in there. Um, Keep your ass in the house. Practice social distancing. Go out. So we can have a good summer. Right. Go out if you have to. We understand if you have to go get groceries or something like that. That's completely understandable. Go for a walk in your neighborhood if you have to, you know. Um, I'm getting to the point where if I see too many people walking in the same area, I don't want to walk around them. That's just me. me and a lady that lives in this neighborhood that wants me to walk in the marsh every time she sees me or. <laughs> oh, so you don't want to be around a bunch of people, but you get mad at the lady that wants to stay six feet away from you. Well, it's because she has some smart ass to say to me. So well, now, now. You don't even know what she said. She.